0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Cloud Security Alliance's podcast series, CSA Security Update. I'm your host, John D. Maria. CSA is the world's leading organization dedicated to defining and raising awareness of best practices to help ensure a secure cloud computing environment. We harness the subject matter expertise of industry, associations, governments, and members to offer the best in research, education, certification, events, and products. Hello, everyone. My name is John Maria, your host, and welcome to another episode of CSA Security Update. And I am excited today uh for a couple reasons one is our subject matter which is forensic readiness and secondly is a good friend of mine lamont orange who is the CISO of netscope and lamont has more than 20 years of experience in information security industry having previously served as vice president of enterprise security for charter communications and as Senior Manager of the Security and Technology Services Practice at Ernest Young, he's also responsible for working with current potential customers demonstrating security of the solutions and connection to overall security ecosystem. And when it comes to security, it's been said that if Lamont doesn't know it, it's not worth knowing. So, Levant, welcome.
1: Thank you, John. That was a heck of an introduction. Um, I'll, I'll have to try to live up to that. Um, I, that that's a good one. Uh, I don't know if it's, <laughs> if that's the case, but uh, lots of lots of friends, lots of good folks like yourself have uh, helped me to learn a lot about security. So happy to be here and talk. <laughs> <laughs>
0: No problem. So, uh, yeah. So I was glad to have you. Um, Netscope is a executive member of the Cloud Security Alliance, and uh, I always like to start out by describing what an organization does. So maybe get, kind of give us a background of Netscope and what what Netscope does.
1: Absolutely. So Netscope is a cloud security platform that is data centric, cloud smart, and fast as your business. And what that really means to us around the data-centric components is that our approach around security means that, that data fo- security follows the data and data is everywhere. So that data-centric approach allows you to apply controls to your, your data, no matter where it is. Our cloud smart component enables you to take advantage of our contextual understanding of cloud and securing the cloud and web. And what that means is that we speak the language of the cloud because we were born in the cloud. And we're fast. We're delivering real-time cloud-native security without the traditional trade-offs that are there because we do speak the language of the cloud. And we do it across all of your cloud usage, whether that's SaaS applications, whether that's web usage, or whether that's public cloud usage or IaaS.
0: Okay, great, great. And as I said, our um, subject matter today is something that's dear to my heart, is forensic readiness. You don't hear much about that being talked about on the airwaves or in blogs or what have you. Um, And so for our audience, uh, forensic readiness is defined as the ability of an organization to maximize its potential to use digital evidence to protect the organization, support the investigators while minimizing the cost of an investigation. And I might even add in there the importance of protecting uh, digital evidence uh, and being able to present it in such a way that it is uh, uh, admissible in court. So maybe uh, start out describing... You know, we're going to start taking this journey through forensics and sort of describe for us what issues might kickstart a forensic investigation and, you know, what, what that process might look like.
1: So there are many issues um, that may kickstart a, a digital forensic process. Uh, the ones that that really come to mind are around some of the ones we see in the headlines today. There's been sort of unauthorized access or a disclosure of information. Now you have to define attribution, find out, you know, be able to understand how that um that malicious actor or, or even the bes- benign saboteur was able to do what they, they uh, did to your environment. And, and then there's the other aspect of it when you're looking at the workforce, whether there was a contractor, or a current employee, or third party. And just what did they do with your data to your systems because they had full access? All of them will be classified as security incidents, but they're 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 very different, I, I think, in in the approaches and and how we leverage the digital forensic technologies.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, great. So, um, so having said that, you know, forensic readiness. I mean, forensics is always thought about in you know sort of a negative area but uh really forensic readiness is um much more proactive and you know how does that you know how's the forensic readiness can be able to minimize or impact uh are the interruption of your business functions and operations during an investigation
1: so one thing, if, if you're not prepared, um, and prepared means being really being on the proactive side of things, you can cause a lot of business disruption, trying to gather all of that information and evidence because you didn't have that initial visibility. So I think preparedness will allow you to uh, be in a position to uh, reduce the amount of friction that you introduce to the organization as you're trying to protect it. You'll you'll be very methodical with your technologies. Again, if you're very much in a transition from um, on-premise or legacy technologies to more cloud-centric technologies, well, you have to rethink all of that. So now you have to look at it from a capabilities. The how is what changes, and you have to be prepared for that.
0: Yeah, and, and that's a good point is, you know, the cloud brings a whole different... Uh, aspect to this thing when you're talking about forensics and and being and having e discovery myself um a while back uh you know i understand you know it can be very expensive uh when you're not ready i mean extremely expensive (laughs) when you're not ready because that means you usually have to you know burn the midnight oil to get get prepared for uh a court case or some sort of investigation. So yeah, it's, 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 it's important.
1: Or even if you know the information that you were supposed to have to be able to build a case.
0: Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Having it, having it in the right, in the right uh, uh, area, or having it in in the right format to be able to uh, use it. Um, And so, you know, that brings us to the next subject that I want to talk about is, you know, digital evidence. And I don't think, A lot of people really have a good grasp on, especially, you know, CEOs uh, and other people at that level that really understand the importance of digital evidence. Um, And so, you know, how, you know, maybe just sort of give us a, you know, understanding of how important digital evidence is. And making that positive impact on the likely success of any formal legal actions.
1: Well, I, I think that there are um, many, many case studies out there of, of how and why you would want to invest in this capability. Uh, I think if you take it back to something that's key to organizations, they definitely want to protect their, their brand. And if they deal with some sort of, everybody has a customer, right? So you want to protect that trust in your customer. So your ability to protect your brand is really around being able to demonstrate that you have an understanding of, of what goes on in your environment. When you, uh, when you apply the securely and forensic overlay to it, it's really that you have an understanding of what's happening in your environment. And you're able to react to it very, very quickly and i think in a legal context you know every time is money if if you look at it that way every hour every minute every day costs the company a significant amount of dollars to have to reactively try to go and and find this information and then be able to present it and assemble it into a, a story if you have capabilities up front and you've already invested in it well, you're just watching that grow, and it becomes part of your your overall culture of how you run your security program, how you run your 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 brand protection program, and how you build your customer trust. This is something that I think companies should talk about and what they're doing to show that they're on top of it.
0: Yeah, and and I can just think back. I mean, the case I was involved in so, uh, when I was in the business was you know uh, organization that had digital evidence that they had to produce and uh just information in general that they had to produce um and unfortunately they were able to produce the digital evidence but the integrity of that data was in question because when the judge looked at it basically asked them you know where did this information come from who touches it you know uh how much is manually input versus digitally input and automatically input. They didn't know the answer to those questions. So that became problematic uh, for them. And so they had to rush around gathering that information to prove the integrity. So generally, you know, determining whether a data source provides an acceptable level of digital evidence is one thing, but you know how how do you ensure data integrity to ensure that that information con- contained within supports the investigation you know with a, with a with proper content and context
1: Yeah and, and I think throughout the years we as as companies and security professionals we we developed, that, that capability. I, I won't say it was totally mature in the legacy environments, but now we, again, we have to rethink those capabilities and apply them to cloud because how, just to your the questions you're asking, how, what was, what's the integrity? Where did it come from? How did it get there? You know, it, it may be something as simple as a function that put that data there, but now you have to explain those technological capabilities of that function to a maybe a legal organization or to even your own organization as to what does that mean you have to break this down into those those concepts that they understand and i think again this is this is all about understanding that that journey right documenting how and what happens how would you harvest data how would you protect the data that you harvest to make sure that it hasn't been tampered with or altered and then being able to present it into a format that can be consumed by the parties requesting it and i think that all there also lies a challenge because sometimes all of the technology hasn't caught up to be able to consume this this new level of 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 data the cloud speaks a totally different language
0: yeah and 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 that's true and i mean we could go on and on because when you get into iot and the, all the fix, different functionalities that that causes and uh you know your iphones and uh, other digital phones and things like that and different devices that we use um you know yeah i mean it's a real challenge to understand what information really is where it's at and you know not only how you protect it but how do you provide this readiness um perspective of things in terms of being able to uh protect your organization um and so you know but there's another dimension in today's world in the modern world another dimension of you know privacy privacy comes to mind um now more so than it used to in the past so you have laws like, you know, GDPR, you know, the California law and, you know, especially, you know, really globally, not just U.S., but globally, um, you know, different countries are are providing different privacy regulations. I think the last time I looked, there was over 100 different countries that had different privacy regulations around the world. And, um, you know, so can... You know, can digital evidence be gathered in such a manner that it doesn't breach the compliance with those legal or regulatory requirements?
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm confident that, you know, you can put a forensic program in place and also respect the privacy laws. I think it, it goes back to uh, something that we, we started the conversation with is understanding your environment, the privacy laws are, are meant to make sure that we only collect the information that we need and we don't over-collect, and then we have the applicable security around that information that we collect. It, it doesn't tell us that we can't do it. It just tells us that if we do it, these are the certain expected security protections that you would have for that data. So I'm, I wouldn't say that the privacy rules gets in the way of forensics. I think that our 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 ability to not be prepared or our inability and, and preparedness gets in the way of us keeping that information. Yeah,
0: and I, and and it's good to use uh, best practices. Uh, I think uh, you know some sort of standardization, some sort of best practice as, that is acceptable acceptable around the world. I know I always used to use the use um, the the term of the legal term of you know due diligence and standard of care which a lot of attorneys look like look at in the courtroom is you know what is that standard of care what is a what is an organization like yours would would have done under similar conditions what is a reasonable thing that you would have done to uh protect this information or 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 uh, shows the integrity of that data and information. Um,
1: and and with that term, John, you just hit on something that's very important, I think, when we talk about digital forensics, that the term of due care, standard of care, we, we need to make sure as security professionals that we do have a, a great relationship with our legal entities because they're interpreting what that means and then we can tell them what we're doing and, and we can un- identify if there are any gaps there.
0: Yeah. And sometimes the legal people, yeah, they, they speak a whole different language. Yeah.
1: You know, we do as security people too. So we need an interpreter for the interpreter.
0: <laughs> no, no, I hear you. I hear you. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, what, you know, what are some of the, uh provide us uh, what are some of the best practice steps that people can put their fingers on to that they can start deploying to ensure that that forensic readiness
1: so i think one thing to to consider out the gate it's all going to start back with visibility to so you should understand all the data flows all the usage in in your environment uh as best you can and and again if you have legacy solutions you got to get something that's going to speak the language of where all of your data is going and where all of your web traffic is happening which is in the cloud so you got to get that visibility component there and then you have to be able to adjust baselines again this is not anything that we didn't do in our our prior legacy lives it's the how changes the capability of how we develop it changes so we still need to understand some some sort of behavior of how this should this data be able to be moved, should this person or this system be able to do these these types of functions? And then at, at some point you're going to come back to something as simple as logging and review of those logs and and being able to capture anomalies and and push them off for further review. And when you get to that point of further review, again, this is another one of those capabilities that the how changes. How can you examine that? How can you investigate that? So we're going to have to invest in people, process, and technology very differently in our prior lives in this new world of cloud to be able to answer those questions. And this should be cultural, right? I haven't said anything. I don't think that that any other security program wouldn't have in place. But what we tend to do is scramble because we didn't have these pieces in place. And we cause lots of disruption to the business. So I think putting those components in place, examining your gaps, starting with visibility and moving further to the right to get to the point of, of actioning against that is, is where we, we need yeah, to be.
0: You had a lot of good points there, uh, considering, you know, we talk about people, process and technology. Uh, so very important that it's not always, you know, technology as i alluded to back in the case i was involved in um you know uh that you know there are there are areas where people are involved with the technology so it's about you know understanding that whole process and and understanding where your data's at where it's going um, who's using it uh you know where is it stored uh yeah obviously you know you don't want to be trading business cards with uh, with the experts uh, the day before a trial. So, um, so you know, you need to you need to find out where you're at. Um, I, I would even urge people uh, be remiss if I didn't urge people to you know, in terms of a readiness or standard of care, that due diligence that you do. The start out with something simple. I know that the. The CSA Consensus Assessment Initiative Questionnaire, our Cake as we call it, is really based mm-hmm. on the Cloud Control Matrix, or everyone's familiar with, but is the controls to the cloud. So an additional bolt-on of of, of unique controls for the cloud. And you know, I never claim a silver bullet, obviously, but uh, it is it right. does provide due diligence. Uh, to show that you're you're actually you've actually evaluated the gaps and your system actually evaluated where you're at, where you need to go, and you can act on the differences. So things like that are a good start, as I said, good standards standardization uh, process.
1: Yeah, no, totally agree with that. and And reducing the attack surface as much as possible. Because that will also reduce the amount of areas that you're trying to cover and be prepared for.
0: So, um, so yeah. So, you know, if anyone wants to carry on this conversation, uh, obviously, uh, you can go to the uh, info at cloudsecurityalliance.org and email us. Uh, If you want to get a hold of... Lamotte, I guess we would say what? Best thing to do is go through LinkedIn or.
1: Uh, yeah, you can definitely reach me on LinkedIn or my uh, email address is lorange at netscope.com. Those are the okay, two best okay, ways to get good. me. Yeah,
0: I don't like to give out anybody's personal email address without their permission. So I'm glad you did that. Um, uh, <clears throat> so yeah, awesome. So this is a great discussion. Obviously we can go on and on. This is, like I said, uh, one of my passions um, I love to talk about, and we don't hear too much about it, but, uh, uh, but yeah, I'd like to continue the conversation with anyone. And of course, you can go to www.cloudsecurityalliance.org to get more involved in uh, not just the subject matter, but the uh, STAR uh, program and the STAR tools that are out there. And of course, uh, Netscope is uh, netscope.com. Pretty simple. So you can get there anytime you want to find out more about what Lamont, his team are doing. And so, yeah, really appreciate it. And, uh, we'll try to have you back sometime, especially as this conversation expands, uh, be an opportunity possibly to have a follow-up, uh, on this particular subject matter, get a little bit deeper into more of the details. So, um, really appreciate you coming on and, uh, you know, hopefully, uh, I know we're both in the same area here in the Midwest of Missouri, so try to try to survive the winter. And
1: uh... <laughs> that's right; it, it's coming. It's going to be It'll a bad forward,
0: one. So <laughs> anyway, really appreciate Labat, and uh, hey, have a great rest of the week.
1: And thanks, you. Thank you, John. Appreciate the invitation, and and also your thought leadership in bringing this topic forward. I agree. Thanks. We need to talk about it more you. Mm-hmm.